Hello, everyone. My name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast. Feel free to crop all of this out of the podcast. <laughs> it's going to make it. I'm telling you right now, it's going to make it. So, Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode? Well, uh, my in-laws came and visited for Mother's Day. But yes, we had a grand old time. We went to, there's like a section of stores in Center City, D.C. I forget what neighborhood it is. I think it's around like Penn Quarter. Uh, mm. But it's all the designer stores. So we went to look at all the things we can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was literally yes. the whole trip. <laughs> I think my husband was sort of angling to find a place where he could buy me something. And we're like, we walked in the Kate Spade store and I'm like checking stuff out. And I'm like, oh, I love Kate Spade. It's so cute. And he was like, oh, well, then why don't you have more? And it like, that's the moment where he saw his first price tag. And he was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> Men, for the most part, when they see how much purses cost, especially for the first time, they get so shook. A purse should not cost that much. It's a container no. for stuff. Like <laughs> it's, a container. it's a container. It's fine. It's funny. He's usually the one who knows stuff like that. Like he doesn't usually get sticker shock. He's a lot more <laughs> right. tuned to that He's whole cultured. culture. But yeah. I think for some reason he thought Kate Spade was like the more affordable place where he could uh -huh. like buy me something, and he was like, mm -mm. <laughs> "Never mind." <laughs> a Kate Spade in a boutique will get you together. <laughs> yeah, we went. He tried on a uh, God. The seventies seemed to be coming back for men too. That was like this brown plaid double-breasted suit jacket that he tried on in Hugo Boss, which I wanted to hate, but didn't hate. It was surprisingly good. I mean, it was $1,200, so like it was not $1,200 good, but like... <laughs> and then uh, Hermes, we couldn't go in because you needed an appointment. Hermes does not give a fuck. You go... Sh <laughs> I've never, I've never entered an Hermes store, and I know this. Their customer service is like, they are doing you a favor when you come to shop with them. <laughs> they don't care. And I like, you know how people say, Oh, you can, especially you know how the Hermes Birkin is extremely popular and everybody's like, oh, I just want to go get a Birkin. You actually cannot buy a Birkin from Hermes. You can buy them from a private seller who's bought it from Hermes, but Hermes actually has to invite you to buy that bag. Oh my God. You can't just walk into an Hermes and buy that bag. Meaning for you to even be invited by Hermes to buy that bag, you have to have been a customer for Hermes for a long time. And you have to have spent... Stupid amount of money there. And they're like, you know what? You've been here a few times. Would you like to come in and shop for a mess, a uh, Birkin? And those bags don't even get me started. Like the story of that bag upsets me. <laughs> it, the bag was designed by the person who found a lady on a plane. The, the, by the way, you know, this, the, the bag is named after a lady, right? There's actually a lady. No. Okay. She apparently went on a plane and she met the, the designer and she actually had put all her stuff into like a, a wicker basket while she was on the plane. I, this is the folklore that we all know about. If I'm wrong, somebody's going to correct me, I'm sure. And the designer was looking at her and like, he asked her like, why is she? And she just said, well, because usually no bag is big enough to for me to organize all my belongings in such a way that makes sense. All the bags are either too small or they're too slouchy and they really don't fit a lot of things in a way that makes sense and he was like huh so he was like you know what um i'm going to solve this problem because this is what you know the designer was thinking so he went and he figured out a way to make a constructed bag that's going to hold shape 
and has very specific pockets to hold very so that bag was designed to help women organize their belongings and hold them and of course like that bag is stupid expensive and they use the finest materials people have said that that bag feels like heaven they've said all the things about it one day if i have enough money to throw away and flush down the toilet maybe i'll get one just to see what it's about but i won't get it directly for a mess because i would need to have been shopping for a mess to be invited i think i'll just mm-hmm. get it from a private seller who's bought it and has like a vintage one that's been around for like 10 years or so but shout out to Hermes. we also went out to a nice dinner and uh, i knew this was coming and i didn't want it to happen but i finally had to try on the real clothes in my closet only to shockingly discover that none of them fit me anymore <laughs> Because of all the Panda Express. (laughs) Fucking Panasonic. (laughs) Fucking panoramic. Yeah, no. You know, the thing is, I'm so sorry. First of all, we're laughing about this because this is the only way we're going to cope with this. But I actually haven't worn real clothes. And I I don't even need the reckoning to let me know. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. (laughs) Because, like... Because I I do I do weigh myself. Uh-huh. Like there's a scale right side the right side of the bathroom. Like I like just for shits and giggles I step on it. And it's it's the the number is um very comfortably in the double digits since last year. And no matter how good I am at hiding, it's all an optical illusion. You can hide stuff right. with like a silhouette. You can do very specific things to hide things. But no matter how much hiding I do, the waistline of my pants always lets me know. No. <laughs> You you try to go button it and you're like this didn't feel this tight last year did it? Yeah. And it yeah the 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 waist of your pants will let you know yeah so I'm so sorry. Yep. <laughs> yep 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 uh, I broke one of those you know the like clip that goes at the top of zippers it's like just the like hook and eye like yeah <laughs> I was trying to get the zipper up and the hook and eye just went poop popped. <laughs> uh, you know that scene in White Girls. <laughs> Where um one of the bro- Wayne's brothers goes into the bathroom and tries to put it on and oh the hook God. and I like maybe it was a real button, it like fires off as soon as they he, he breathes in or breathes out whichever way it goes yeah. and it just ricochets across the whole. Thing. <laughs> 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 ah, we should oh laugh about this because this is sad. Oh God, we have to. I knew it was coming, but it finally happened. <laughs> The Panasonic is it's it's done all of us in every last one of us. Oh, also, this is this is like such a dumb social media thing that I didn't really realize how much space it was taking up in my brain until it happened. Mm -hmm. So like where to even start? So what I've written here is that Gritty finally said hi to Levi Fetterman. The background on all of that. John Fetterman is a politician. He's the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. And he was just like, he's pretty funny on social media. He got very active on social media around when they were calling the presidential election and when all of the like election fraud talk was happening, especially with Pennsylvania. Uh, (laughs) He's just being a troll, being funny. Like he was just like daring people when they like all the calls of like, oh, there's so much voting fraud and election fraud. He was like, someone please find me a story. Like, please tell me the stories. (laughs) And there were, (laughs) he only found two instances of election fraud and both of them were for someone like illegally voting for trump of course (laughs) i mean it tracks always it does anyway he's just been a troll on twitter he's really 
like hilarious. He's this giant dude. He's like six foot eight and bald. So he looks very scary, <laughs> but he uses that scary energy for great things. Like apparently, uh, outside his office, he keeps putting like a legalized marijuana and a gay pride flag. Yes, I love this. I think I've heard. Of, yeah, I've heard of these yeah. two things, right? And he's not allowed to, and so they keep taking them down, and he just keeps putting them back up every day. He just goes and puts them back up. What are you gonna do? Fight him? His six foot eight. Like <laughs> anyway, at one point I went down a rabbit hole and followed his wife on social media, who is pretty funny. So she's like this really short woman, and she always crops his head off in photos. <laughs> the quote was, <laughs> "If I have to decide between his head and my shoes, my shoes win every time." <laughs> So so I followed the social media trail from him to his wife, and then from his wife to their dog, Levi Fetterman, who was a rescue dog. I I went down the rabbit hole. Their dog is on social media, also hilarious. He has like a whole website. It's all some shit. Anyways, it's... They're like Pennsylvania politicians, so Levi Fetterman, the dog, it like interacts with all these... Like, not Philadelphia specifically, but, like, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Pennsylvania brands and all of this. Um, Oh, I see. I see. So he, the dog, (laughs) at one point asked Gritty, who is the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team, Uh to say hi to him. It was just, like, a joke thing. I I know. This is, like, so much buildup for something that's not even interesting. But here I I am telling this whole story. Feel free to crop all of this out of the podcast. <laughs> it's going to make it. I'm telling you right now, it's going to make it. <laughs> this is content. <laughs> so Levi Fetterman, the dog, asked Gritty, the hockey mascot, to say hi to him on Twitter. What, what's what's the hockey mascot? Like what animal? What? I don't, oh, I don't know what it is. Please Google it. It's terrifying. I don't even know what it is. It's called Gritty and it's terrifying. What the fuck is this? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Wow. It's fucking horrifying is what it is. <laughs> it's very yeah. Pennsylvania. So yeah. So Levi Fetterman tweets at Gritty and says, say hi to me. Just wants, wants him to say hi to him. And Gritty didn't respond. So Levi Fetterman does this to like a lot of, you know, brands and people on Twitter. And it'll just be like, hi, Levi. And then that's, that's it. But for whatever reason, Gritty didn't respond. And it became this whole thing. It was like so often he was like, Gritty still says and ha- hasn't said hi to me. Like, Gritty hasn't said hi to me. Like it's been this many days and Gritty hasn't said hi to me. He started a change.org petition, which I signed <laughs> <laughs> for Gritty to say hi to him. This is so unnecessary. I love it. <laughs> it was so unnecessary. It went on like 160 some days. He was like had a counter on the website of how long it had been since he asked Gritty to say and so finally, somebody in the Philadelphia Flyers must have been like, what the fuck? This dog won't stop tweeting at us. <laughs> they recorded a whole video of Gritty, the mascot, like being like, this dog keeps hounding me on Twitter to say hi. <laughs> All of that build up to say I logged into Twitter one morning and I was like, Gritty finally said hi to Levi. <laughs> it was a video. I guess Gritty doesn't talk. It was like a one of those where you have like all of this, like a bunch of little placards like stacked up on an easel and they all have things written on them and you take them off one by oh, one. Oh, I see. I see. But it was oh, in video right. form. <laughs> somebody had to like coordinate to have somebody put on the mascot. This is why I love this. This took effort. And I think 
This is the result of <laughs> Levi Fetterman. Shout out to that dog being petty and incessant. It yields results. <laughs> it clearly does. You know, you know what I want to know is, um, I don't know if, because, you know, I don't know if it's the family that runs that social media account or if they've hired, like, a person to be the social media manager for Levi Fetterman. Because if so, I love this even more. They actually went through all the trouble to figure out someone oh to do all of this. It's I don't know. It's pretty funny either way. <laughs> yeah. So that was a notable thing that happened in my week. I also finished um, Children of Virtue and Vengeance, which is the sequel to Children of Blood and Bone, which is which I've talked about before. Even better, even better than the first one. Oh wow! God. I'm so happy to so hear good. that. Oh, it was so good. And I need Tommy Adeyemi. I am speaking to you through this podcast. Please, <laughs> please release the third book. I haven't also done much. I decided on a whim to get ear piercings as a desperate attempt to cling to youth. I'm that juvenile. I called Claire's at the mall and I was like, hey, do you guys do ears piercings? <laughs> Can you imagine? I was in there with a whole bunch of 12-year-old girls, like, shopping for costume jewelry. And I was sitting there waiting to get my ears pierced. And I felt no shame. This is how you know Amazing. that, I like, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I was like, yes, this is exactly the place that I should be to get my ears pierced. And, by the way, for those of you who are listening, like, this would be my very first piercing. I have never gotten anything pierced or anything like that. And I got both of my earlobes pierced. And... Like, all of a sudden, there's this whole new excitement as to, like, oh, my God, when it's done healing and I can finally change the um, earring, like, what's going to be the next earring that I get? Like, And I'm just going online looking at all of these cool earrings that are designed by very specific people, like, the, the thoughtful, some of them have really cool geometric patterns, some of them have really nice um, stone organization, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to be this person who starts wearing a whole bunch of ear jewelry. God willing, the thing heals perfectly fine and I can change my earrings in, what, three weeks or whatever. But yeah, so I got my ears pierced and I'm happy about it. I'm actually really happy about it. First of all, nobody takes me seriously because my life is a fucking joke, which is why I have no problems getting my ears pierced. Somebody could say, you know, what if professionally people don't take you seriously because you have your ears pierced? And I'm like, have they taken me seriously before now? <laughs> That's one. It doesn't matter. And also, too, it's 2021. Like, somebody who doesn't allow their workers to have pierced ears in this day and age, I probably don't want to work for that person yeah. anyway or with that person, around that person. So if you're listening to this and you were thinking of hiring me now that you know that I have an ear piercing, this is the more reason why you should hire me. This is the exact reason you should hire me. Because you know what? I'm going to show up to work with really fancy jewelry. You're going to be stunned about my style and my fashion. Anyway, I'm happy about that. By the way, I do think the the piercings make me look slightly younger. But this could also be my mind playing tricks on me because I want it to be true. I want it to so desperately be true. I want to be like the youths. And if you guys remember a few episodes ago in the hair episode where I was talking about dyeing my beard blonde maybe that's going to be the next step but musically the soundtrack to my week has been fugees the album the score i think that album came out in 1997 and so for those of you who don't know the fugees contain three legendary hip-hop artists 
Ms. Lauren Hill. And if you don't know who Lauren Hill is, pause the podcast, go look her up, and then come back. Lauren Hill was the first female artist, I think maybe the first artist, period, to win five Grammys in one night on her. F- first of all, five Grammys in one <laughs> night for any artist is a huge deal. Lauren Hill won five. And she won five for her very first album as a solo artist. Oh, wow. And she won it for... You didn't know that? Okay, Lauryn Hill is the one. When people say... People like... I think the the amount of disrespect that people put on Lauryn Hill these days... Because some of this is kind of her fault. Like, she doesn't show up and start concerts on time. She's like... But Lauryn Hill as an artist, next level. She won those five, and I think including record and album of the year, I think in 1998. And she won it for the album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And I'm sure everybody knows what the popular song in that album is. Girls, you know you better watch out. Some guys, some guys are only about that thing, that thing, that thing. And there are a whole bunch of other songs on that album that were great. But anyway... Lauren Hill is a member of the Fugees, and we have Wyclef Jean, which oh. everybody knows who Wyclef is. He's a legendary music producer. Wyclef has done so well in the music industry. And Prakazrel, which I think of the three of them, Prakazrel is the genius. So a lot of the Fugees songs are structured like Wyclef will make a, a rap verse, Lauren Hill will make a rap verse, and Prakazrel will make a rap verse. And what's so amazing is they each have very distinct styles of rapping. But together in a song, it fucking slaps. It slaps. It's so mind... And Lauryn Hill's also a really good singer. So they'll have Lauryn Hill also do the hook or the chorus. And it slaps. So the three songs from the score that I'm sure everybody knows is the song that they covered from Roberta Flack called Killing Me Softly. Everybody knows the song. Strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words. That is Killing Me Softly, and that's a really good song. And then the other song that they did was Ready or Not, which is a sample of a sample of a sample of a sample. (laughs) This is what I mean. If you know your music history, you get excited about hearing how each new artist chooses to do a sample. I don't remember what the original was, because the original was like probably you decades before this i don't remember what it was um ready or not here i come you can't hide i'm gonna find you and take it slowly that was the second one from the fugis album the score and i think the third one was fuji la which this one might not be as popular they sampled tina marie's ooh la 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 ooh la 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 it's the way that we rock when we're doing our thing ooh la 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 it's the natural law at the Refugee Springs. Anyway, you might not. That's the Fugees version. But mm. prior to that, Tina Marie had like a really popular song called Ooh La La La. And I think it was sometime in the 80s, maybe 88. I'm not sure. Of all the hip hop acts that came in the 90s, I think the Fugees were one of the best, especially as a group. Like they they really stretched the boundaries of hip-hop. Like, I think hip-hop prior to that was kind of like the fast-talking, especially when uh, the Slick Rick and Jazzy Fresh, um, you know, the the, the really fast rap that all the words are smushed together. Mm. But the Fugees slowed it down. 
they put some really cool beats on it like they and they didn't just it wasn't all about money cash hoes like the biggie and the <laughs> them which yeah. by the way that's that's my shit the money cash yeah. hoes is my shit <laughs> but they really talked about like really important it was kind of like the woke hip-hop if that makes sense mm-hmm. like they talked about really important societies constructing society it's kind of like the roots a little bit but yeah, yeah they they really did good work for um, their time. But anyway, for those of you who don't know who the Fugees are and who Lauren Hill, Wycliffe, or Parkes Rail are, please go look them up and listen to their music. I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to come back and thank me. You're welcome. So <laughs> the topic we'll be discussing today is club culture. So I'm just going to start by pointing out that <laughs> we're referring to nightclubs and dance clubs, not exclusive country clubs i don't have an exclusive cl- a country club membership i no <laughs> so i don't have that range i mean as kids we knew people's parents who had them and we'd get invited to go with them for the the country club bullshit and that that's the accent my parents didn't have an exclusive country <laughs> we didn't have that like oh my God. that bougie nonsense we didn't have that but yeah so we're talking about nightclubs and dance clubs. I didn't even have friends who had country club memberships. I've never been to one. <laughs> Honestly, it's just pretentious for no reason. It's pretty much, it's like going to an athletic resort. Like, that's it. That's that's really it. And they're just rich people all around. That's it. Yeah, nightclubs and dance clubs. And, you know, but the thing is, I, 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 was, I was doing the, I was trying to do the research and I was like, I, from like the essence of what I got to know dance clubs and nightclubs are like what they serve their purpose is just a safe space for people who are otherwise considered outcasts like nightclubs were always or clubs in this sense were always subculture they were never part of the mainstream and as far as we know places like that have always existed they've always existed especially like in the US as far as far back as we know They've existed in the United States since the 1840s. And over the time, they have just undergone so many iterations. They always serve a specific purpose, to be a safe space for the people who are considered outcasts. Always. No matter how you slice it. It's always served that purpose. Say, for instance, in the 1840s, where like the, the first nightclubs and whatever were popping in the United States, it was all about the vaudeville, which were pretty much freak shows. It's not like the high society shows, like, the Broadway or the classical music performances. This was like the underground freak shows where they have really crass comedy or like (laughs) almost like circus type acts. And they bring those into the nightclub and people just drink and have a good time. And, you know, it was unpopular for civilized society to attend these places. So all of the blue collar people, the people who were immigrants who were just coming in trying to figure out their place they would go to these places to have a good time i want to hear what a crass comedy show from the 1840s is like was like right no i'm sure i'm sure it was extremely but you know the funny thing is um and i was reading about this too a lot of those comedy acts weren't originally in the u.s especially the original Mm. vaudeville it was i think it came from France. And you know, they didn't have that era that Hollywood had between the 1920s to the 1940s where they tried to clean everything up and censor everything. They just let every like if you were creative and you were able to bring a show that would gag the people, 
They let you in. They just like, if you if you brought the range, they let you in. They didn't really center to say, oh, you can't joke about this. You can't joke about mm-hmm. that. So I'm sure those jokes slapped really hard. I wish. <laughs> of course, there's no footage. It's been like 1840s. I don't think there was any like video recording back then. But if there were, I want to see it. And so in the 1920s, you had prohibition, which of course drove people in these sort of clubs really underground. So you had things like speakeasies and honky tonks that played country music. Uh, Jukeboxes were really popular because these clubs had a hard time commissioning live bands because they were illegally serving alcohol. And a lot of times because they'd be very small, um, just trying to fit in as many people as they could. So you had a jukebox instead of a whole band. They'd include uh, burlesque, dancing, sex work, and cabaret shows. I feel like the nightclubs in the 1920s must have been lit Oh, my God. Because the 1920s were wild. But anyway, during the Second World War, when Germany occupied and banned jazz uh, jazz music or what they called decadent American influences like jazz music, the kids in places like France, they just rebelled. And they gathered at discotheques to dance to swing music. So, like I said... Every single time, these clubs served the purpose of gathering people who would have been considered outcast or whatever, uh, the minority or the... Yeah, so these kids were just out to have a great time, and they knew they couldn't listen to swing music or whatever, so <laughs> they found an underground place to do it. And again, I feel like all the mu- not a, a lot of movies that were made about the Second World War have featured some part of this, and it looks like they're having such a great time, such a great time. <laughs> Like, (laughs) it was lit. It looks like they were having so much fun. So then after World War II, uh, nightclubs became more and more of a safe space for the LGBTQ community, even though gay clubs and bars have been around for a lot longer than that. Um, But that really started to become a space for that community around that time. Uh, We also had the precursors to DJs or disc jockeys on round tables playing dance music. Um, which sort of led into the disco movement and American discotheques like Studio 54 in the 1970s. This is what I mean. Nightclubs aren't going anywhere anytime soon. No. (laughs) Because as long as we have marginalized communities, they're always going to serve a purpose. They're always going to serve a purpose. But Studio 54 is also one place that I would have loved to have been in the heyday because it just it looked like by the way apparently in 1915 the US Supreme Court decided in a case of Mutual Film Corporation versus the Industrial Commission of Ohio that motion pictures were purely commerce and not art and are not covered by the First Amendment which meant that in order for if it's commerce it can be regulated so a lot of local and I guess federal government started censoring things that weren't considered art. So movies and stuff like that was censored. And in order to preserve that family-friendly American image, they were taking stuff out of films, left and right. Like, curse words were limited. You couldn't portray homosexuality. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. And they just cracked down on Hollywood. So all of that free love and fantastic creativity that came in the 1920s, they just put a kibosh on that. They just slapped it all the way down. So they pretty much sterilized a lot of Hollywood. However, after the Second World War, I think people started to really be upset about that nonsense. So they started to like peel back a lot of that censorship. There's still some vestige of that even today, but like they were peeling that back hardcore. So 
Things like Studio 54 was an avenue for all of those creative people whose art forms were censored. They all just funneled straight to Studio 54. And it was like a huge explosion of creativity. Like in that underground movement, they were, I think people like Andy Warhol used to be down there. But like a lot of people back then who were creatives would just go hang out at Studio 54. And that was a good time. Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, in the 1980s, we had the New York City LGBT ballroom scene, which has been made popular by shows on FX like Pose or even the documentary that came out in the late 80s called Paris is Burning. By the way, if you are listening to this podcast and you have never heard of Paris is Burning, do yourself a a favor, pause the podcast, go look it up because I think for the sake of the culture, it's very important to know what that documentary is. Mm -hmm. But also a song like Madonna's Vogue that came out, Vogue was literally describing what nightclub culture is in summary, especially the ballroom culture in New York City at that time. Paris is Burning like should be taught in schools. (laughs) It's like essential. I agree. (laughs) I agree. I really agree because these were people that, you know, they, they'd had this the Stonewall movement. They they have been through hell and back. And at that time, the AIDS crisis was a thing. And the entire U.S. population thought that the AIDS crisis was because of the gay population. And every single person would avoid anybody who identified as queer or gay in the United States. They were persecuted left and right. It was wild. Trans people, you could not show your face in daylight. Literally, you could not show your face in daylight. So they literally needed a place to hide. So at night, they would go and, you know, they were all isolated because you couldn't be caught dead in the day with somebody you loved or a friend or whatever who was part of the queer community. So they would go hide out literally underground in underground bars or whatever, and they would just have a good old time. And they were ballroom shows. They just brought all their creativity. They just hung out because they knew it was a safe space to just be with each other. And that pretty much spurred a lot of what we consider mainstream pop culture today came from there. Mm-hmm. We also had the punk rock underground movement, which I'm not as familiar with. And we had the house music, the rave culture and dance music, which, you know, which now today we'll say is EDM. But now, in 2020, the beginning of this fuck-ass decade, <laughs> due to the <laughs> the COVID-19 pantomime, the COVID-19 pancreatitis, <laughs> we... Pancreatitis. Uh, Yeah, nightclubs have been on a hiatus, which is sad because I think more than ever around this, we we do need nightclubs now. But I think the (laughs) COVID-19 panoramic is probably going to spur the next evolution of nightclubs because a lot of those shows, the way they were, the way you could pack a lot of people in the same place, we're going to have to change that slightly. So it has to accommodate. And also, I think the the culture is also changing, right? I think, hopefully for the better, I don't know. But a lot of those marginalized communities are moving away from meeting each other in a physical safe space. 
now they can meet each other on an online safe space that makes sense so Mm -hmm. i think the actual nightclub scene is going to have to evolve yet again and i don't i don't even know what it's going to evolve into i I really don't know but i'm looking forward to it hopefully like after we get this (laughs) pandemic under control wow i actually said pandemic fuck that when we get this (laughs) when we get this panasonic under control we (laughs) We can, yeah, we can go back to, and I feel like it might just be that nightclubs will be very niche now, like Mm. nightclubs will serve, like, so there'll be a a very, say for instance, in New York City, there will be a very specific punk rock nightclub, and like, it's just going to be niche. And also, (laughs) the other sad thing is a lot of these nightclubs, because a lot of their business, it's a turnover business model, they need liquid cash to keep the business rolling. It's not like a a fucking Coca-Cola corporation that has like a 500-year business plan that can stay into perpetuity for decades and decades. No, seriously. Yeah. uh, The Coca-Cola brand is not going anywhere anytime soon. But an actual nightclub, for it to sustain itself, requires patronage pretty much every night, every week, or as many nights in a week as possible because it's it's all cash-heavy. If the money doesn't come in, the business can't stay afloat. So a lot of those nightclubs, unfortunately, have closed simply because for a whole year... They didn't have any patronage. They can't keep open. They can't stay afloat. So I feel like a lot of the iconic ones that we remember are gone. But there, I feel like because of the purpose that nightclubs serve, there's always going to be a new one. Do you remember your first nightclub experience? I do, actually. I sat here forever and was like, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. And I finally did. Really? Remember. Yes. Huh. Okay, I want to hear this. And I remember because I was not 21. <laughs> 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 Nobody ever is 21 oh, the first God. time they go to that club. <laughs> I figured I had to be. I couldn't remember. But yeah, so I was 20 and I went to Chicago. I was interning in Indianapolis for the summer mm-hmm. and we drove up to Chicago and I was the only one under 21. So one of the girls in the group gave me her passport card. She was using her driver's license and I was using her passport card. <laughs> oh, God. We only got into one bar that way. I uh, got it taken away at the second bar. <laughs> but uh, Hopefully she got her passport back because, like, it sucks to have your passport gone like that. So we snuck into a bar, well, a club, I guess, actually, in Chicago to do some dancing. There were a bunch of German guys there for a bachelor party who bought me pineapple upside down cake shots. (laughs) 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 It was was everything I wanted as a 20-year-old sneaking into a bar. (laughs) Right. It was great. Wow. But yeah, we danced. We had fun. That was my first... My first nightclub experience. It was supposed to be longer because then we went to a second nightclub. But yeah, the bouncer, the bouncer got me with the, I mean, in retrospect, I don't know how that first place let us in because it was a group of like six of us and two of us had the same name. (laughs) Like on the, on the ID, she had (laughs) red curly hair and glasses. I have blonde straight hair, no glasses. It was the exact same name. Anyway, the second, but I memorized that that id and uh but at the second club the guy got me he asked me my like name and birthday gave it to him asked me my address no problem and then he asked me my zodiac sign zodiac i was gonna say that <laughs> zodiac will always get you oh, if you don't know zodiac it sign. yeah oh i'm gonna tell my kids that advice for when they're sneaking into bars i know, you know the zodiac sign <laughs> you have to know the ID. zodiac you have to know the zodiac yeah wow oh my God. anyways <sighs> 
that was my yeah. first nightclub experience. Wow. <laughs> I, d- I wish I could remember mine. I don't remember what mine was. I can't, I couldn't, for the life of me, I can't tell you. I know it was sometime when I lived in Pittsburgh. Like, I, I just don't remember what it was. But I do remember the anticipation of, like, going to a nightclub. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in a really, I was really strict parents, sheltered, no really any. So I was looking forward to it because, especially, like, I didn't know that many gay people. I didn't, I was mm-hmm. so excited to, like, okay, I'm going to go to a gay bar. I'm going to find people who are accepting who are open-minded and it's going to be a great time but i don't actually remember what the first time was i'm sure it was a gay bar because i wouldn't have been excited to go to a fucking straight club <laughs> because what the fuck <laughs> no but all that um, time and go hang out with the straights <laughs> i know <laughs> no, i no. wouldn't and the thing is like I've, I've since then been to both gay and straight clubs and i will say 10 out of 10 gay clubs are better even Every for time. straight people gay clubs are like it's it's just better but mm-hmm. um i don't remember i don't remember but i i remember that um pittsburgh had like one or two gay clubs i think one was called cruise back then i think cruise spin 5801 most of them were like bars that kind of had like a dance space but yeah. cruise was literally just like a a dance club you it was <laughs> just but i remember i was so underwhelmed like the times when i would go to cruise because it was Mm -hmm. just instead of it to be a place for like camaraderie it just ended up being like a a clicky pissy piss contest if that makes sense like you know how like in mean girls they'll be like oh these are the unfriendly black hotties and these are the it was very much that it was just like Mm. the twinkie white gays would be over there with their nose all up in the air and you know the the these people who come with their 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 straight girlfriends who were just out for a good time would be in that <laughs> corner and so but like it would it would just be yeah but i remember i was a little underwhelmed but i still went be, it was still a good time because you know besides the stuff that i hate about it it was they they, 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 they it was fun it was fun they'd be like a twerking contest up on stage yes. there'd be um they they'd have like They'd have themed nights, mm. so you could dress up for the themes and stuff like that. So that was fun. That was fun. I do, I do enjoy that. Yeah, I was struggling trying to remember because, like, I know we went out to clubs in Pittsburgh. I remember like being there. I remember the experience, right. but I couldn't remember the names of any of names. them. I was sitting here trying to remember. <laughs> I remember Cruise because Cruise was the one that like everybody. Would... All I could remember was that we went to clubs in the South Side and in the Strip District because both of those areas were such a bitch to get to in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, right. There was no easy way to get either places. Yeah. So clearly that's where the clubs Not were. Not by those buses and especially the <laughs> no, buses no. that don't go anywhere. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's another club it was like the second floor upstairs of a warehouse. And mm. I particularly liked this one. Because in the sense of, you know, what a nightclub is, this was that. It was, I think it used to be a warehouse and the entire second floor was gutted. And all they had was huge speakers. It was really like grungy. The walls were unfinished. They had big speakers all over the place. They had, uh, they put like a tarp where they projected stuff. And mm. it was just a, and every all the creatives in Pittsburgh, that's where they went. Mm. And I used to have such a fun time because you'd go and you would, every single person in there was interesting. Like their mm. hair was interesting. Their outfit was interesting. Their interests actually were so unique. 
and the music was very much house. It's not like my kind of because I like the thumpy hip hop pop type thing, but I didn't hate the house. It was it was good. It was interesting. There was actually range to be absorbed. So yeah. <laughs> I remember going there. I used to go there with my roommate back then. This other girl that I knew who was like she actually was in college for both biological sciences and art. And this other person that I know, he was a humanities student. Um and yeah, we would all go and it would be a great time. I don't I can't remember for the life of me what it's called. The only one I could remember in Pittsburgh was Cavo, which was a gay club because I saw Manila Luzon there. What do you enjoy about nightclubs? I just feel like nightclubs somehow birth the best stories. Like you always run into random stuff happening at nightclubs yeah. that turns into such good stories. Yes. Like we went one time to So this was a subsection of this day that I was in New York City that myself and my friends, like it's myself, my husband, and, and some friends I know through him called The Day. It's like <laughs> The Day. Okay. It was just this day where all these things kept happening and there were all these memorable stories that came from this day. And we'll tell stories from that and like remember midway through, like those were the same day. Like this, <laughs> this fucking day. This was the day. So part of the day was going to Club Coming which is in the East Village in New York, um, and so named because it's owned by Alan Cumming, the actor. I, as far as I can tell, he just like wanted a club, and he was like, this is my club. <laughs> Good for and him. I suppose if you're rich, why not? It was excellent. It was excellent. So we went there. It was advertised online as a pansexual shit show, and it delivered on those points. <laughs> <laughs> no false advertising oh. here. It was great. It was great. Like the most random drag queens were there. They like followed us all on Instagram afterwards because we followed them. I definitely like danced with a person who I have, I could not even begin to guess at their gender identity. Like pansexual shit show was the name Very of the game. Very much on brand. I love it. They had these performers, which we had seen advertised online as the men in jocks on blocks who were literally just on blocks on the side. And who did we see dancing with the men in jocks on blocks but Mr. Alan Cumming himself? Hey! <laughs> he was I there! Love I love that. It was so exciting. We were like, it's Alan Cumming. But like, we didn't bother him because he was having his time dancing with the men in jocks on blocks. <laughs> There's also this other time, which I'm, I'm wondering if you remember this. We went to like a few different places. And I know... At one point in the night, we were at Lucky's, which was a gay bar, club, yes. bar. And one of the dancers <laughs> was, like, standing on the bar, started hitting on me. <laughs> he was I like, remember this. <laughs> was was like, it, like, a really beefy, muscular black guy? Yes. <laughs> I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. Oh, my God. He must have been, like... I. <laughs> It must have just been, like, the only woman in this gay bar, and I guess he was either straight or just, like, bi and feeling into the one girl in there tonight and started, like, hitting on me, and we were like, no, I think no, he was no, straight, because no, I think no. when, when he was, like, <laughs> talking it up, I remember hearing that, yeah, no, this is this is his job. He just dances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, he's having this conversation with us, like, mostly naked, standing on the bar, like. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Lucky's is the closest thing you're going to get to a strip club in Pittsburgh. Yeah. The men are mm -hmm. dancing on the bar counter with very, actually, some of them don't even have underwear. No. <laughs> like, I'm trying to remember if he was fully naked or just, like, almost fully naked. <laughs> 
you know what? He might have been. Let's just say he was. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, I was, like, not there for that. I was, like, I'm here to hang out with the Lumide. We're, like, not even staying here that long. And he, like, kept hitting on me and kept trying to talk to me. And I was, like, no, 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 no that's fine. Um, I did not come here to be hit on. And then we went to, maybe it was that bar you were, or maybe it was that club you were talking about. Because it was, like... We were still out at like 3 or 4 a.m. And so we went to the only place you could go to in Pittsburgh at that time. Right. And the dancer was there. He was there like across the across the room. And we were like trying to avoid him and like dance away from him. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't remember the second part of this. Oh that, like when we went to the other bar. I don't remember that. But yeah. he was there and he kept trying to come over to talk to me. And we were just avoid, like going to different parts of the party. Oh, right. my God. Oh, yeah, I don't remember this. Wow, 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 wow. But I, I vaguely remember, like, he was stocky, um, uh, stocky build, and I remember he did come to talk to you. And I was oh like, oop. <laughs> he wasn't even that creepy. I just, like, I wasn't that about it, and we were just, like, having a blast being like, oop. <laughs> right, right. He was, he was perfect. He was perfectly, like, um, whatever. Do you remember that time in Baltimore where we went to those two clubs that were, like, across the intersection across from, from one other. another yes yes it was one of the by the way they're both closed now no ah, they're both Baltimore. closed now <laughs> it used to be hippo and yeah. grand central hippo and grand hippo was like lesbian queer and grand central was gay gay and they were literally <laughs> the intersection they were diagonal from across each other yes across so you could literally get a, a, a drink at hippos run over to Grand Central, have another drink, yeah. run over to hip back and forth. And I think we probably did that that night. We probably like switched through two or three times. Throughout we the did. Night, we like paid the cover at both and got like the stamp or the wristband or both for both. And we just went back and forth. And back then and they forth. started exactly. a song at one that we didn't like. We would go. <laughs> we left. <laughs> I do remember this. This was so much fun. Yeah. The, oh my God. This like they're, they're both close now. Oh. I think they're that, that Grand Central building. I think. I see them doing construction on it now. I don't know if they're going to turn it into apartments or something. It's done. And Hippo has oh. been, done, been done for like maybe some four or five years now. Oh, um, so right, right now, what used to, what's that where Hippo's is right now is CVS. Not a CVS. CVS. And you know the funny thing? Like, oh. I always remember that CVS because one time I was there with my cousin. And <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> you know how like it was like it, it was kind of late. I don't remember. And I like she and I were hanging out or whatever. And I, I literally said to her, I was like, oh, we need to stop by CVS. I'm out of lube because I was like, I'm here anyway. I might as well get some lube. So I walk in. And of course, I'm shameless. I'm absolutely shameless. And then I walk in and one of the associates like screams at me across the whole place as I enter. She goes, hello, how can I help you? Is there anything you're looking for? And I scream right back. I'm like, yes, I'm looking for lube. You have <laughs> <laughs> so that's always how i remember that cvs the cvs oh that i i went to get lube and i had to announce to every because like she screamed at me what am i supposed to do whisper back ah, do you have some lube? from across the fucking cvs like <laughs> i mean i could have said no thank you i'll figure it out but like i was like no like no you gotta match the energy <laughs> exactly i have to match the energy and that was hilarious my cousin looked at me like what the fuck it's like 
She asked. I don't know. <laughs> and she did help me look for the lube. Fun fact. I didn't have to spend 10 minutes looking for it. She literally just took me to where it was. I'm like, thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad that those clubs have... Yeah, Grand Central, like, the last time I went, I remember either I had changed or the vibe had changed. Hmm. Because, like, it started to feel very much like Cruz in Pittsburgh. In terms of, like, a lot of the young gays who are doing a lot to be seen, you're not too cool to have a good time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They were too cool to have a good time. I'm like, then why are you here? Then why are you here? You're not bopping. You're not dancing. You're not dipping. You're standing on the wall, fixing your hair a million times, you know, posing. I'm like, come on. Um, yeah, so it was very much yeah. that. But anyway, moving on. I really like cocktails, so I like going out to cocktail bars where you know you get some extremely fancy cocktail and you sit and sip it because it's very nice and all you know, whatever nuanced and all that shit but um sometimes like nightclubs are so great for when you just don't want the pretentious anymore and you can just get like your two ingredient drink and just let loose and not Worry about right. it and not worry about, like, am I enjoying this rum and coke? I don't care. The rum and coke is serving a job. I'm just here to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I feel the same way. And you know what I love more than that is, which we used to do when we were in Pittsburgh, right? You knew that the drinks where you were going weren't going to be great. And they were going, if I, if they were great, they'd be expensive. And even if they weren't uh -huh. great, they could still be expensive. So <laughs> we used to pregame. We mm -hmm. would just pregame because you can make better drinks at home or mm -hmm. more tasty drinks at home. So we would just chug as much as we can or like we'd have a flask with us in the cab ride all the way there. And we'd make mm -hmm. sure we were completely gone by the time we get there. And then you just <laughs> there to let loose. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that yep. was the, the move. I do understand what you mean. Yeah. I also like the chance to wear my hoe clothes. I don't even care like what whether I'm there for like that or not. Like it just, I don't know. It's fun it's to dress like a lot more promiscuous than I get to. I love doing the like crazy makeup and like just colorful and bold and it's just fun. What do you dislike about nightclubs? They're so loud. <laughs> They're so loud. <laughs> They're so loud you can't speak to anyone. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. They're so loud. That's sort of a service complaint. My, my biggest complaint probably is just like the creeps. Like, uh, yeah. Just, you do get like, I mean, which is probably why I don't go to fucking straight clubs. But, like, men just don't know how to behave themselves and where to keep their hands. Like, <laughs> right. Just some people take right. letting loose as an opportunity to, like, cross other people's boundaries without asking, which is, like, a different. It's not the same thing. <laughs> like, just because I'm, like, wearing my promiscuous clothes and, like, dancing all over the place does not mean I'm fine with you coming up and grabbing me. Like, not the same thing. Not the same thing. Very the opposite of the same thing. Like, now I don't feel like I can just let loose and have a good time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Ugh. That's fine. I mean, I've always... But that's the fun thing is, like, I've always just gone out to nightclubs with people who will just, like, make those people go away. Like, they'll come and dance on me and, like, yeah. And, like, having your friends dance barricade you in is actually, like, fun and funny and, like, makes you forget about the creeps. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is why, like, I, I'm, I'm like, I don't think I'm, I'm as much at risk of creeps like that. But um, <laughs> I don't, I don't enjoy going clubbing alone. So people yeah. will tell me they do that. I'm like, 
No, it's it's not fun if I go by myself. But on that note, right? What is an appropriate age to stop going to nightclubs? Because I think about this a lot, and I don't know. And I think for the most part, like I always think of like why would I be going to nightclub? I think it it depends on my reason of attendance. So say for instance, we'll talk about this soon. But like every time I go to a nightclub, if there's like a fifty 60 year old person who's there but they're not there just to have a good time and let loose if they're there specifically like uh, to find a dating prospect i i don't know maybe because i'm not 60 yet i hope i don't sound terrible by saying this it kind of looks sad because they're trying so hard to pick up someone who's half their age or even younger and those people are not paying them any mind they're kind of being disrespectful to them and it, it just I think at that point, maybe find another avenue because the people you're there to see don't pay you any mind. So that to me kind of rings sad. So I got like I don't want to be the 50 year old who's at a nightclub trying to pick up a young person. Like, yeah. I at that point I think if I'm going for that reason I need to stop going because I will be that's depressing to me. Um, but if I'm <laughs> look, let me explain something to you. <laughs> I could be 80. I am walking into a nightclub and I'm shaking and moving. I worry about the arthritis the next morning because I don't, <laughs> I don't intend to stop. It's because like it's mm-hmm. a good time. So um, or maybe my taste will change and it will no longer be a good time. Then I don't know. I don't know. But so far, like even now, I feel like I'm usually not the youngest person in any nightclub I walk into. <laughs> but I don't care. I don't care. I'm still right. there to do the most. So yeah. Yeah. No, I feel pretty similarly. I think, I think honestly, it's less that like, I don't care about walking in and being judged, especially if I'm in a group. Like if I'm in a group with my friends, I don't care. Like I don't, if you think I'm old, we're probably all old and just like, I'm not there for you. I feel like it's like other things that, oh God, just get like, busier and more tired and all of a sudden every friend on the planet gets married and you do that every weekend and then all of a sudden you don't know any of the songs when you do go out like you go to a nightclub and it's like they don't play a single song you know and it's like i don't know it's just it's not like something specifically about being older it's just like i feel like as i age certain things about it i either get less likely to go or it becomes a little less fun when i'm there especially like if you're going because of the people you hang out with then just Mm -hmm. invite those people to your home play the music you all like (laughs) make your own tasty drinks and have a good time in fact if you can dance in your own house it's not that serious so um but we're gonna end this with um the reasons why people go to nightclubs and i was just saying earlier like for dating prospects i kind of get it because if you're going to a very specific nightclub, say if it's a nightclub for leather people, and you know that it's if if you're into leather, it's it's a very niche community. That's probably mm-hmm. where you'd find the people to date. Yeah, that makes more sense for like for more niche ones. Generally, when people say they go to like bars and clubs to like find someone to date, I don't know, it just confuses me. I feel like I <laughs> am very distrustful of like random people that approach me at bars and clubs. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like my thought is not like I don't know. You always see that in movies. I'm always like, no, don't, <laughs> don't, don't come talk to me. Like I'm here to have fun. Like you're probably not going to be fun unless you can demonstrate to me very quickly that you're going to be fun. 
Like, no. <laughs> yeah, that part I that part I I've occasionally like found people to hook up with at bars, but I never go there like I'm going to go find my next significant other like Right, right, right. So yeah, hookups and dating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hookups more likely, but dating. <laughs> what's the Ed Sheeran song? A club isn't the best place to find a lover, so the bar is where I go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't get to dress up as much as I used to, and some days, like the mood strikes me. I'm like, I want to wear something complete. Like I, I can picture it in my head. I know the exact silhouette of the kind of outfit I want. I know exactly what look I'm going for. And I'm like, I'm going to put this together and this is going to be a bomb ass fire outfit and it's going to be a great time and I'm going to have a good time. And those days I'm like, I want to express myself this day. I need a place to go and actually express mm-hmm. myself. So those days I really like the fact that nightclubs are available for me to do that. Um, also, we talked about this already. Escapism, which mm-hmm. fun fact, escapism, nightclub designs are heavily influenced by this. Mm-hmm. Heavily. People who live in like London where it's like a old city there's no not much greenery and stuff like that their nightclubs are designed to make you forget that you're not that that you are in london Mm. like they'll put a whole bunch of greenery inside they'll design it in such a way where like your perception of space is a little warped and like they'll put things in very specific places so i think a lot of them do that or if you're or they'll make it like a, a tropical tiki type bar so if you are kind of in the mood or if you if you need like a, a getaway vacation out of like a major city you go to a tiki bar where it's like a a tropical type thing or yeah or you know they have the back do you remember the back in pittsburgh they used to have some club parties that would do the bubble soap thing oh god yeah <laughs> i hated that i freaking oh hated that yeah but like that's kind of like the whole fantasy type thing the escapism part of it they will they will figure out a way to make the you know match people's needs especially wherever they are so yeah but also you know the bonding with friends thing where you go out you dance with your friends which psychologists have actually like made of like i think psychologists sometimes do the most to define (laughs) things that don't need to be defined yes hanging out with your friends and dancing at a nightclub is fun but psychologists believe this is a good way to facilitate oxytocin release so people who are stressed can have a feeling of contentment and peace. Which, duh. <laughs> I mean, duh. Yeah, so that's also a reason why I like going to nightclubs. Dancing, I think, is a big one. Why people go. Um, just being this able like to dance. Recap. Yeah. Seeing dance trends. That's always a fun one. Like, <laughs> I guess it's maybe less fun if you're out of the loop, but... <laughs> 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 which we are oh, we definitely we are, are. We need, but things i feel like if we start going often enough we might get back i'm not guaranteeing this but yeah. i feel like we might get back into the loop maybe oh drag shows yes drag I shows miss drag shows there's a bar like across from me that does drag shows and drag karaoke they just like have a karaoke night but it's hosted by a drag queen <laughs> so hey yeah honestly drag as an art form goes with everything anything becomes (laughs) instantly more fun if you just drag it up yes (laughs) i love drag shows even the ones that are a little amateurish they're still so much fun so that concludes our episode on club culture thanks everybody for joining us you can find us on twitter instagram and tiktok at big empty purse 
tweet us, message us, tell us about your favorite nightclubs, what you like to do. Tell us what dance trends the Gen Zers are doing so we don't look dumb when we go back to the nightclubs. <laughs> On next week's episode, we'll be talking about beauty. Until next time, peace. <laughs>